again, but Matthew chapter 1, starting in the 18th verse, I'm just going to read a little bit. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, received to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not in that way until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, we won't get into the birthday yet. Do that next week. But I wanted to read that little bit from Matthew because it talks more about Joseph and how the Lord was so gracious to him and, and appeared to him in a dream and, and settled his confusion and probably anger and frustration and all those odd things that were going, had to be going on in his mind about his young wife. See, they were betrothed, so they were already considered married, even though they had not made union yet. That's the way it was in their culture. So that's what all that, it sounded a little off. He divorced her when he hasn't already, you know, so that's what that means. I'm talking about the laws in the culture at the time. But I read that because there's so much importance. We're talking about Jesus. Uh, who is this Jesus? And what is, what, are, what is his character? What, is his, what are his attributes? Why did he have to do it? Why did he do it? You know, there's so many questions that people have regarding our Savior, our Lord and King. And I just want to address them over the next few weeks, some of them, and then uh, just keep on doing that until I see them face to face. Amen. Amen. So we never finish, we just stop and start again. Amen. So it's Christmas time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for your precious word. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke. Thank you for everyone that is here today. Thank you for blessing them with a special, special Christmas time and let it carry on throughout the year. And all of those who will hear this message at any other time and any other place, bless them indeed. In Jesus' name, thank you for using me today, Lord, as your vessel to sow the seed of the word of God into the hearts of your children. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Christmas.
Christmas time. The season. You know, even as a child, I remember, and you know, I can't say that I was a Christian. I didn't find out that I wasn't a Christian. I, I probably thought I was. But I never, I didn't find out that I, I wasn't until several decades later. But there's something, even for unbelievers, that's very special in any nation of the world where it is acknowledged and celebrated. Um, even for unbelievers, there's something very special about this time of year. There's a, even though it's temporary for, for unbelievers, I, I think more temporary, but there's an inner knowing of something special and something um, wonderful and missing uh, in their lives. I think they sense that. And Romans 1 would probably prove that out for me. You know, we all know that there's a God and we're not Him, right? But to receive true and lasting blessings of Christmas, Christ has to be at the center of it all. Otherwise, there's no real or permanent significance. Amen? <laughs> to many, or unfortunately I would have to say most these days, materialism, commercialism, self-indulgence, that's Christmas. <laughs> that's what it's all about. They start making their list and checking it twice, make sure they haven't missed out on anything they want. And this isn't just children. I know grown-ups that start way ahead of time. This is when they get all their stuff. And you know what? And it's really not unwise to shop the sales for things, you know. even We, we kind of do that, you know, things we need for the house and everything else. We'll, we'll, we'll take advantage of those Christmas sales, you know. But I know this, one thing about my wife, it's like, you know, I don't, she's like me, it's like, everybody, everybody loves to get gifts, of course, but it's like, I don't, you know, it's really, we have much more joy in the giving, you know, and, uh, and that's, that's where it's at, you know, and, and people find that out, the closer you get to the Lord and the more you begin to participate in his will and his way of thinking and doing it's uh you find that there's a lot of joy there you know but people do they get involved in all the self-indulgent materialism and commercialism and then they wonder why they feel so blue <laughs> and why they're so depressed or disappointed and the bible tells us why and I think it offers a significant warning in Scripture in uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. I won't go back to the 6th verse because it would sound self-serving, what Paul was talking about. 
but I want to make a point out of 6.8 in Galatians. Because it says that if we sow to our flesh, talking about sowing as sowing a seed. Remember, that's the parable you have to understand if you want to understand anything in church. Anything Jesus taught. Why do I say that? Because that's what he said. You sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. And if you sow to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you'll reap eternal life. So our actions and our thoughts, our talents, how we spend our time and money can all be of the flesh. You know what I mean? And if they are, they'll only repay us with loss and despair and corruption, death in all its various forms. If we sow to the Spirit, however, we reap eternal life. So I thought it would be great. Let's just let's focus on how to do that this Christmas. <laughs> okay? The the key, and here we are pulling out our wonderful spiritual keychain to the kingdom of heaven. I love all the spiritual keys. It's not a they're not magic tricks, but they're definitely spiritual laws at work, and if we don't learn to participate with them, because they are there for our benefit, but they can harm us as much as help us. But we expected to learn God's will and word and his ways as we grow closer to him. One of the keys to sowing to the Spirit, or the way to sow to the Spirit is to keep our hearts and minds focused on Jesus, the Christ. Amen. We talk about um, recently the personal relationship which grows into total trust and confidence in our Savior, in the Lord. Well, this is where we begin. Amen. How many... I wonder, truly have a, such a relationship with Jesus that, that, that they just say they can, have, they can say honestly that they have total trust and confidence in him. That they, can, they talk to him about everything and they know that he's always there with the answer. Because that's the, that's the place to live. And it's available. And it's not only available, but that's God's greatest desire for you. It's really why you were born. Didn't Jesus give the definition, the meaning of life? John 17, 3. This is eternal life. That, that they know you, the one true God, and your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. So knowing Him in that way, that... Same way that Adam knew Eve and they conceived. So it's an intimacy, a passionate, intimate relationship with our Lord and Savior is what, what the meaning of eternal life is all about. So I want to go to that prophet 
that Matthew mentioned that prophesied all about Jesus 700 years before he came to the earth. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, says, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Now that seems odd. A child is born, but a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Oh, I want to talk about that government. What, what is that? that government is the kingdom of God. His government. Amen. Well, I'll talk about that soon. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. So a child will be born, a son will be given. So Jesus, he didn't come into existence when he was born of Mary. He was born of Mary into human history as a child, yes. But he was already the son of God, <laughs> you see? Every, by him and through him and for him, all things that were made, that were made. And without him, nothing was made. He was always with the Father. So when he came here to the earth, he was the Son of God or the Word of God made flesh. So the Son of God was given as a gift. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. That's why we give gifts at Christmas. Hello. <laughs> In gratitude. It's supposed to be an expression of our love and joy for what God has given us. His Son. The greatest gift ever given. John 3.16 says for God, it tells us why. For God so loved the world. And now he's not talking about the world system. That's an enemy of God. But the people in the world. Humanity. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So look at the, look at the titles and the names given Jesus in Isaiah 9, 6. There are four of them there. But titles and names in the Bible, if you haven't noticed, are very significant. It's unfortunate that we don't have the Old Testament in he and read it in Hebrew and the New in Greek because that's where you would understand a lot more about the names of the people. So it's always good to look those up because they're, they're very significant in the Bible. And they show typically the character or the destiny of the one given the name, you see? 
And so that, that, that can help you in your Bible study. It's fascinating to start with. Like, like Jacob, you know, was... I'm going to get off on the whole thing. I'll get off into names and, man, I'll just... <laughs> but it talks about the character or the destiny of that person, and it certainly did with Jesus. Let's stick with Jesus today. <laughs> the first, the one that I want to really focus on today is, is Wonderful Counselor. Because I think that's the one that we really need the most today. Yes. Amen? Yes. Not that we don't need Almighty God or Eternal Father or the Prince of Peace. Trust me, I'm going to talk about those but today I want to talk about this wonderful counselor because it's very significant. It's just been, I've been bombarded with it and it's a beautiful thing. So we're going to talk about our wonderful counselor, Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 11, the first couple of verses, Isaiah 11 verses 1 and 2 he prophesied this, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. That was David's father, King, King David. And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. This is just saying that he would come from the lineage in the human form of David. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. These are all spiritual gifts, blessings. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, and knowledge. You ever wish, I'm going to go ahead and just raise my hand. You ever wish, <laughs> like me, <laughs> that, that you could just, you just had someone you could just trust and count on to say, help, <laughs> help, just help me. It's just fix everything, please. <laughs> just, just fix all this and fix me. Tell me what to do. I just I need to know how to just get all this sorted, just fix all this stuff that I've messed up and that I'm overwhelmed by and grieved by. And it just I think if everyone's honest, you know, they, you may appear to have it all together on the outside, but man, I I don't know how I appear on the outside, but I'm going to tell you this, my life, I wish I say that all the time. You know, I look, you handle all this, I'll just give it to you here. <laughs> Please. Well, Jesus is that person. Jesus is the man. He's the man with the plan. Amen. And I know you believe that. 
But we got to be careful not to get into the, the, be the, a Bapticostal, you know, where we, you know, because some of that, some of that old religion can sneak in and you, you can get to the point where you, I believe, I know he can, I just don't know if he will for me. But all the, all the promises of God for you are yes and amen. Yes, they are. And we've learned how to, we've got a big spiritual keychain, and we've learned how to participate in God's will and ways and to align ourselves and position ourselves to receive all that he has for us. And we need to know how to, to get our hopes up and to give our faith a target and to release that faith, to go out and take hold of everything provided by the grace of God through the atonement of Jesus on the cross and not let it rest until it returns with that promise or provision. Yeah. So this, I know he can, but I don't know if he will. That's not what we teach. So do we believe is the real question. You can't, you can't get, uh, you can't get most of your advice from the devil <laughs> and, and then expect to hear the gentle whisper of the Lord God trying to help you. That's, that's something we have to be honest with ourselves about. And it doesn't mean that you're out seeking counsel of, of the devil on purpose. It comes naturally from the world. He runs this place, in case you didn't know, for a time. And so just by neglecting the Lord, you're receiving counsel from everything else that you hear and see. Everything that goes in your eye and ear gates has an effect on you. And it's generally going to be the counsel of the, the devil. You don't hear them quoting scripture on the news. <laughs> you don't see them being seeking the Lord, you know, opening up... <laughs> You know, whether it's television or entertainment or movies or secular music, anything. You know, and hey, you know, we're not, you know, you ladies don't have your hair all piled up on top of your head. You're not in bondage here to religion. You, you're free. You can do anything you want, but it's not, if, if it doesn't honor God, why would you? Why would you open that door for the devil? Why would you take the risk of, you know, turning from God and turning from your faith? I see people do this. I, you know, one of the craziest things that I see, people's kids will go off the rails. And so they, st they walk away from their faith because they don't want to offend the derailed child. Listen, you, you, you know, we, 
We're going to love our kids, family members, whoever it is that's off track or confused or whatever. We're going to love them better than anybody in the world will, no matter what. But you can't shipwreck your faith to get into agreement with their derailment. You still have to look for doors and windows of opportunity. You continue to pray and you continue to stand for the truth, the way, and the life, which is Jesus. You can't compromise on those things. We have to make up our mind to tune in to the one who really does love us. Amen? Amen? The one who calls us blessed and highly favored. Remember that word that Gabriel used for Mary? He said the same thing about us in Ephesians chapter 1. We're blessed. We're highly favored of the Lord. And, and, and that's what Jesus calls us. He's the one that was willing to step down from his throne die a terrible death on the cross and, and shed his blood to redeem us. That word redeem there in the Greek literally means to buy back from the slave market. So we were all in bondage to sin and Jesus paid that debt, you see. And also provide eternal life and reconciliation for us with God. So, remember we talked about our prayer life last week and how it's the most powerful force that you're giving. I mean, the Holy Spirit is here today and, and He can choose to allow any of the ministry gifts to operate from any one of you in any way, at any time. And, and He's, you know, He knows that uh, that's, I'm, I'm just waiting to be interrupted by him anytime he wants. And I ask him, please do, anytime you see fit. So the gifts are great, but they're all in his control and they're distributed at his discretion and his timing, his way. But prayer, we have all the time. And that's the most powerful force given to us by God. But we ask... If, you know, if, 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 it's not, if it's not dedicated and sincere and, and, and a real relationship with Jesus, then it, it, can, it can become a farce instead of a force. And we don't want that. Jesus has the answer when we've come to the end of ourselves. Hey, humility is key in the kingdom. All of, the, all of God's best gifts are on the, the lowest shelves. We have to stoop down to get them, you see. <laughs> he opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble, doesn't he? Jesus Is this there waiting when we come to the end of ourselves, to at the end of our own strength, at the end of our own will, at the end of our own ways, our own abilities and our own resources? 
but it doesn't always, we don't always have to let it get to that point. God doesn't want us living from crisis to crisis. He wants us to live and walk in the blessing. Yeah, to be overwhelmed by the blessing where we just have to hit our knees several times a day sometimes and just say, Lord, you're so good to me, I, I can barely handle it. <laughs> but don't stop. <laughs> you know, uh, talking about Jesus as the wonderful counselor, that literally is the word for lawyer in, in the translation. Um, I don't mean to act like a, a big student of foreign languages. I, I'm like Andrew, I know a little... Hebrew and a little Greek. One owns a delicatessen, the other were a laundromat. <laughs> but some things are necessary to find out about, and you learn as you go and grow. And, and, uh, but that's, uh, that's the word for lawyer. So Jesus is your wonderful lawyer, your counselor, your confider, your best friend. And, you know, when I, I was, I spent a decade in and around, you know, the courthouse working down there in, in Galveston and, uh, and uh, I spent a lot more hours in the in the courtroom than uh, than most people probably ever will. Most lawyers, because most ninety eight percent of lawyers aren't trial lawyers. You know, they're just in it to fill out forms for you and uh, write letters for you and to try to get a settlement offer from you and take forty percent of it. You see. Hey, that's, 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 that's it. But I'm just saying, there's a, there are trial lawyers. And when, when I worked in that courthouse, we knew, we knew the really good counselors. You know? They were like famous. Those lawyers, and they had a reputation. I mean, we, they were highly esteemed by everyone. You know, even the judges and, and everybody that worked in the courthouse, you know, and, and, and all that, and even other lawyers around town. And we knew they were coming to the courthouse for trial days or weeks before they ever showed up. We were looking to get a, you know, to, to sit in on that trial and watch it, listen. And, and some of them were quite impressive in the world's system. But, you know, I had that dream where I was in a courtroom, standing there in a place that seemed familiar as far as courtrooms go. I knew what was happening. I was the one standing there facing the bench. <laughs> but I also looked around and I knew that there's supposed to be a judge. Uh, there's supposed to be prosecuting attorneys there's supposed to be, if you choose, a jury of your peers and uh, witnesses and all this sort of thing that goes along with me uh, being put where I belonged because I stood there condemned and knew it. I felt it. I knew I was, I didn't know what I was there for, but I knew I was guilty. <laughs> a condemned man. I looked at my right hand and there stood Jesus my wonderful counselor. And no one 
my accusers, the, the judge, the prosecutors, they didn't even bother to show up. <laughs> Two things, spiritual qualities, I would call them, about this wonderful counselor of ours. First of all, they're supernatural in origin and it includes great discernment that he has. He sees right to the heart of every person and every problem. And then the benefit, the third thing, it also includes direction. He not only sees straight to the heart of every person and problem, but then he, he, he offers the instruction, direction for you, for me. He not only sees the problem, but he offers the solution. So I want to read just two passages of Scripture that kind of elaborate on that. I think it will help us today. So in Matthew, again, chapter 4, verse 18 through 20. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 20. says, while walking, speaking of Jesus, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. This is when he was beginning his ministry. Simon, which is who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus, the wonderful counselor, saw, he, he saw something special in these plain Ordinary men. Not what they were, but what they could be if they yielded to him. It's the same with you and me. He's no respecter of persons. That just means that he, uh, uh, the same opportunities are availed to all of us with this wonderful counsel. I'm going to show you one more thing. Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. Remember the story of the rich young ruler? They came to him starting in the 17th verse, and he, and as he, speaking of Jesus, was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do <laughs> to inherit eternal life? We always want to know what we need to do to be accepted by God. 
Well, Jesus, Jesus told the disciples when they asked what, what it was that had to be done, and he said, believe on him. That's the work of God. But that's not what he told this young man, because remember what I told you, the attributes of this wonderful counselor, supernatural and great discernment. Through setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? For starters, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. He would have been right in calling him good if he had called him Lord and Savior and Master and God. But he just was thinking of him as a rabbi, as a teacher. So he shouldn't have been calling him good unless he was calling him God. So Jesus wasn't saying he was wrong, but he just asked him, why, why are you calling me good? Either call me God or stop calling me good. 19, you know the commandments. So he, t- he asked him, what do I need to do? And Jesus, Jesus just played along because Jesus was born under the law and he was here to fulfill the law. And so he reminds him of the law. The guy wants to know what he must do. Well, God already gave them a set of rules to follow if they wanted to be perfect and, and found out for 1,500 years that nobody could do it. That's why he was here to start with. That's why Jesus came. Because we couldn't do it ourselves. But anyway, he played along. He says, what must I do? He said, well, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, haven't we? (laughs) loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So he didn't even give a dollar into the offering. (laughs) What was this all about? Jesus didn't say that to everyone, you know. He didn't tell everyone, give away everything you have and come follow me. Jesus looked right into the heart of this young man, didn't he? It's worthy to note, I was thinking about this last night, that he didn't mention thou shalt not covet. I wonder why. Because Jesus, I think it's because Jesus is so awesome, so kind. He, he, I believe he saw the man's heart and didn't want to tell a direct, he didn't want the young man to tell him a direct lie. If he had said, do not covet, and the young man said, all these I've kept since my youth, that would have been worse. Because that was his problem. You see how cool Jesus is? So he excluded the one thing that the man was hung up on. 
He was bound by materialism. The love of money had a stronghold on him. And Jesus just told him, he pointed out the truth. He had to show him the thing that had him bound and was hindering his relationship with God. Listen, I, I pray that you all have a, a very nice Christmas time. But if it's been rough, or if it gets rough, turn your thoughts and attention to the wonderful counselor. If you have a problem or a need, there he is. He's right there all the time, every time, waiting for you, always available and at no charge except for your time and your trust, which are essential. But you can always go to him without fear of getting in trouble <laughs> or him shaming you or He's only going to look at you and love you and give you the answers that you need. And remember that you are a child of God. There's no one that he loves more than you. Eternal life with him in heaven is a wonderful gift. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And if nothing else, that's wonderful. We'll all be together there someday. But he wants you helped here. That's why that's the acronym for this church, HELP. Healed everywhere you hurt, empowered by the promises and provision of God, loved with the love of God, and prospered in every way so that you are blessed to be a blessing. Well, I pray that you will go to the wonderful counselor and that he will, that you'll receive the help that he has to offer you this year. And, and um, we're not going to finish, but we're going to stop here today and uh, continue on Christmas Eve morning. Amen? Amen. It's going to be awesome. Amen. And I look forward to seeing you all. And everybody bring five friends and some cookies for Santa. No, <laughs> no I'm kidding. <laughs> I love you all. God bless you. If I can do anything for any of you, let me know. I'm always here. And if I can pray for you today, I'm happy to do that. If you come here, if you have an ailment or a need, Let's make sure we get it met before you leave. We'll take it straight to the wonderful counselor. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Father, thank you for this sweet little message. Thank you that it's, it's really not little. It was just brief. And brevity has not been one of my strong suits. So thank you. But... I pray that it blesses your children in every way, that they seek you out and know that you are the wonderful counselor and that you're there for them 
And that's your desire. That's your desire is to serve them and to help them in everything, in every way, at all times. Your office is never closed. You're always available. We just need to take the time to really submit ourselves and commit our lives to you and to talk to you about everything. And then just know that you are on it. You're on the case. You're working all things for the good because we love you and are called according to your purpose. And we have cast all of our cares upon you for you care for us. And so we can walk in perfect peace knowing that you will never leave us, never forsake us. Thank you, Father, for this unspeakable gift of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are with us and to lead and guide us all the way through this life to our final destination with our heavenly bridegroom, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you all.